Hey there, thoughtful listener. What is your number one lead generation blocker? Head to upmyinfluence.com slash quiz to find out right now. That's upmyinfluence.com slash quiz, and I'll share why you aren't getting the intros and sales you deserve. We're also actively seeking guests for this daily commercial-free entrepreneur wisdom podcast. Agency owners, consultants, coaches, and B2B service providers, head to upmyinfluence.com slash guest, and I'd love to promote your expertise to our amazing audience. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's workplace culture, leadership, and DI fighter starter, and the founder and CEO of Kim Crowder Consulting. It's Kim Crowder. Kim, thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, tell us what you do in, in, in the world. Yes, what I do in the world, my team and I uh, focus on making workplaces better. I mean, really, that is the top and bottom of it. Our focus is on workplace culture, leadership, DEI, as you mentioned, we also work in inclusive branding and communications. You and I both have a background in PR. And so mm-hmm. I'm able to bring that over as part of the work. The biggest thing is this, is we help organizations understand how to create workplaces where all team members can thrive. That's the top and bottom. And that is embedding it into their systems and their pro- their processes, their daily practices, right? So it's more than just being nice to people. It's creating systems and accountability so that this holds in place no matter who's in the organization. And boy, Kim, the past few years have been such a roller coaster when it comes to, and even now when we're recording this, there's so many employment things that have been in the news. Would you mind maybe just kind of giving us a a little bit of perspective into your world, like, you know, from your vantage point, what you've been seeing? I mean, you know, the supply and demand has just been swinging so wildly. And uh, of course, that just has so many ramifications, both for employees and for employers. I would agree with that. You know, there was a time period where we were talking about the great resignation. Now we're looking at tech that was doing tremendous, tremendous amount of letting people go and firing people right now, right? So you're right, there's this giant pendulum swing in what is happening out in the world. And, and where we see our place is to help under organizations understand, one, how can we start thinking about this long-term and what really has to happen in the workplace, right? Do we really need to look at laying this many people off? Uh, you know, what decisions have we made that got us here? And then also being honest about whether or not those impacts are different in the workplace based on people's backgrounds, based on their identities. Are there uh, people in organizations who are experiencing higher levels of layoff, higher levels of, or, or lower levels of retention? And why is that? Let's talk about why that is. And then also let's move that forward into everything from how you're training, from how you are building partnerships and relationships with vendors. So it stretches out throughout the organization and really uh, looks at the corporate and social responsibility of a workplace. You know, I talk about this quite a bit, um, but, you know, one belief that I have around culture is culture starts at the beginning. Uh, You know, it starts with the mindset of the founder. So for our 
you know, maybe our solopreneurs um, that are listening, um, you know, maybe you have a very small team of assistants at this point. Um, that culture game is already that 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 train has left the station. Yeah. Uh, and I know that um, it's almost like the the Chinese parable, right? That the um, you know the best time to 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 really focus on what does inclusion mean? You know what steps are you making to you know create a a just a, a a very welcoming culture within your organization the best time to work on that was 20 years ago assuming your company started 20 years ago second best time is now uh i i'm sure that you have some some observations about that right and so it's like when you um uh, let's say when you're brought in to a company um you're not seeing that these problems started last night of course not, right? Of course not. These are baked into the decisions that organizations are making. And so what we try to look at, you know, beyond this idea of being nice, beyond this idea of um, everyone being, you know, uh, sort of nice to each other in the workplace, we really want organizations to understand uh, what this looks like around equity. And how do you build an equitable workplace? And that is, again, as I mentioned, direct, you know, directly connected to processes and systems. So let me just say this. I am Six Sigma Leadership Certified. Um, and in that, I'm always thinking about what do your processes look like? Because while people can be really nice, you know, what we're seeing in New York City right now is this transparency and pay. And so let's say that everybody's really nice in the organization, but there's no transparency and pay. Well, mm. is that really nice? Right. I come to work every day. I want to be paid equitably for the work that I do. And so that's where our focus is around that and then connecting that to, uh, you know, direct relationships with accountability. Where does accountability show up so that when organizations are saying this is who we are, this is our morals, these are our core values, that you have something you can point back to that says, OK, if this is who you are, then here are the actions and the practices and the systems that need to be in place to support that. You know, when when you talk about equity, it, it seems like from the outside, such an obvious thing, right? It's just like people deserve to get paid based on their effort, right? It's, you know, we shouldn't give preference. But I, I think that, and, and, and it could be, and I, I'd love your observation on this, you, you know, maybe it's not, um, it, it's probably not someone being nefarious at all. It, it's just subtle it's systemic and and how can we be more aware of maybe those historical biases um you know things that might exist that are not helpful if truly you know one of our core values is to value all of our clients our our customers our employees um fairly yeah there's a couple of immediate things that I can think of that help answer some baseline questions around this, right? So there's two things here. One is, uh, you know, could it be nefarious? Could it not be nefarious? Is it based on systemic? I think it can be all of that. And I think we, the more that we actually, and I don't like to even use the language think, I know that it can be all of that. And also I know that if we are honest about that, then that's where we move this forward, right? Yes, I, I have some biases. Yes, I have um, some things in my background that may prevent me from being able to not only make decisions that are equitable, but also to understand what equity is, because equity is different than equality, 
That's important for folks to understand, right? Because oftentimes I think people confuse that if it's uh, if we're talking about equality, we're talking about giving everybody the exact same thing. When we're talking about equity, we're looking at what do does a particular group need that is different. And so here's a great example of what that could mean. It could mean relationships around pipelines to have um, uh, promotions and pipelines to connections with the folks who who can provide promotions. And so you go, okay, well, Kim, help me out through equity and, and equality for this one. So if we said equality, that means everybody gets the exact same possible access, assuming that that is going to be enough. Equity is going, listen, we know that some backgrounds don't necessarily look like the same backgrounds of our current decision makers. And because of that, there being maybe a natural bias that they have a connection with a particular group. So what are we putting in place around mentoring? What are we putting in place around the ways that we recruit, the ways that we hire that can support that? How are we looking at the demographics of our team members and our leadership in those spaces? And then there's another question I always like to ask organizations. There's a, a, a chart that we use. And when you look at that chart, when you look at by racial background and gender, who moves into the highest level of leadership more often? It is white men. And when you look at who does less, it is women of color. And then in between, you have white women who are next from white men and then men of color above uh, the women of color. And so in that, I always like to ask organizations based on your board members and your C-suite members, two things, who holds the most power in the organization? And also, what does the makeup of those groups say about what your organization really believes about diversity, equity, and inclusion? Um, how do you address the issue? I, I don't know if you've had this conversation where someone says, look, we want to do more. We recognize that there's more that we need to do. Um, and then I wonder if anyone feels insecure about we don't want to come across as fake, phony, like we don't want to feel, you know, like we're being overly, and I hate to use this term, like overly woke or whatever. Um, but it, it's, it's that concern of, you know, wanting to do this in a way that, that just, it just feels genuine and not forced so that when let's say it's a mentorship program, which I think is wonderful. In, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it for a second question. I have, I have a question about that, but <laughs> okay. um, is there, is, a, is there a term for what I'm talking about, by the way? Uh, as far as performance, well, let's let, let's know, say are that. You saying the, it, it, are you saying it being performative, like as in we don't want our efforts to be performative? We actually want our efforts to be uh, genuine and humanizing. Is yeah, 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 saying? absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I don't want. You know, it's like. I mean, there's a lot, you know, you know, if company culture is just a poster on a wall, you know, it's like, please, I mean, that's not, you know, so I, you know, if so if someone says, look, we'd like to take action, but when that action is taken, we, we hope that that lands, you know, again, I'm talking about maybe leadership's concerns that, that, you know, that it's accepted in the right way and that everybody's on board. Um, any, any guidance on that? I would, I would say two things. One, the expectation that everyone is going to be on, on board is null. It is, it is not of importance. And the reason I say it is not of importance is because it's not going to happen. 
If we are going to make choices around workplace culture shifts and change, everyone is just not going to be on the same page. Josh, you've experienced this, I'm sure, when you've made a decision about your organization, right? Does everybody necessarily agree? But does that change the fact that you're going to move it forward? Likely not if it, you feel like it's an informed decision that mm -hmm. you've thought about and, and really laid out the why. And that doesn't mean that people can't get on board later in the process. It just means in that initial stage, you may not find it. But that doesn't mean that if the moral compass of the organization is going to be what it is, that it shouldn't make movement. It also organizations have to think about now that people have access to social media, people being whistleblowers is really easy. And it doesn't even have to happen in some big way. You know, one of the things that we do is we look at the Internet footprint of an organization that we work with. And we bring that back to them. So that information is often already out there, but it just takes that one thing to hit and go viral. And all of a sudden you've got this ambush of news, of, of news media on your hands. And so mm -hmm. we like for organizations to understand that there's more implications to this than this idea of this is just the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. But if that's not your motivator, there are some motivators that can shift that for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? The, the <laughs> right. There's, there's the, obviously that, you know, there's the moral, you know, you could be, hopefully you're compelled morally because it's just the hopefully. right thing to do. Uh, but trust me, there is an economic, uh, uh, you know, implication to all of this. If you don't, you know, and you don't do this because, you know, customers will revolt if you're not yes, being fair. Um, one, how about this? Um, let's say that someone in leadership says, listen, you know, we had, you know, we had all these positions for, um, you know, upper management open up and those who put in for the position do not represent the racial makeup, for example, or the gender makeup of those who should have. So in other words, you know, someone might say we had way too many white men to, you know, to kind of point out what you'd shared earlier, apply for it. And it's like, we we encouraged everyone to do it, but only the white dudes were showing up. Uh, how would you help fix that problem? Yeah, it could be, a, there could be a myriad of reasons why that's the case. One of the first things that comes to mind is how that job description was written. And was it written in a way that had a it had language in it? There's really a company that I love, Textio does some things around language uh, it, it, with their software, but is it written in a way that attracts a certain group of people? Because as we know, with women, women are less likely to apply for a role if they don't meet 100% of the qualifications, yeah. literally 100%. And so how was that written? But also, where was it placed? Was it placed in places where it extended the network beyond the current network, right? Also, is there was there language around, you know, we promote from within. If your organization, if the makeup of the organization is already one way and you promote from within, well, then that's a, a, a cycle. And so mm -hmm. there could be a myriad of reasons. I mean, and that's just like off the top of my head around why certain groups are not interested, but also, again, understanding your organization's reputation and do those folks want to work for, the, for this company? And why should they want to work for you? Because what, what we are seeing out in the workplace is that there's a shift from this idea of organizations saying, you should want to work with us just because you want to. People are really picky now about where they work 
about yeah. their work environments? Can I have remote work? People have got questions. What is your maternity and paternity leave look like? You know, people have a lot of questions. What does your leadership look like? And people are asking questions like, walk me through what happens when X. I mean, being very specific. And we actually love and encourage that because all that does is create an upliftment on the ways that we are operating in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, uh, Kim, how do you engage with employers? What does that look like? Yeah. Uh, and when you say employers uh, with our partners, how Work- do we engage with them? Yeah. Workplaces, you know, when, when you're brought in, what is that typically like? What do you do? Yeah, it depends. Some workplaces, you know, we may start with a workshop. With doing some workshops are specifically focused on their leadership. Uh, we really love leadership coaching. We believe a lot, you know, a lot of decisions happen behind those closed doors. I've been a C-suite member. I know those conversations and what that looks like and how those uh, decisions impact groups of folks. I also, we also can walk in and do an assessment of a workplace. We really love that because then we create a mirror. We have a base point. We have a starting point for organizations to see themselves and for us to see them as well so that we understand where things truly are. That could be everything from cultural competency. It takes looking at uh, you know, your numbers as around who's being retained and who's leaving. And then we also have a workplace culture component of that as well, where we're looking at who's experiencing the workplace in X ways. And then digging into that root cause analysis, right? Often people are like, give me just the quantitative data. And without the qualitative data, it doesn't get into the how and the why and the exact what. And so that's why we love building a holistic viewpoint of the organization so that now we can look at it from all sides and really start to look at solution-driven approaches as opposed to guessing. Yeah. Kim, your website is Kim Crowder Consulting. Um, when somebody goes there, um, what would you recommend that they, like, how do they continue engaging with you? Yeah, uh, sign up for our newsletter. That's the biggest way to continuously hear from us on a regular basis. We want to hear from you. And what we love about the newsletter is that as we go out into the world, we're able to bring back the knowledge and share that back with those folks who are following us. So we consider that our inner circle. Also following us, follow us, following us on social media. LinkedIn is a great place. Kim Crowder Consulting on LinkedIn or Kim Crowder. And then of course, we're on Instagram as well. And then that last thing I would say is be on the lookout for when I'm speaking, I'm, I'm out. Um, I love to speak and connect with people in person and we encourage that. And for folks who are saying, yes, we are ready to move this forward. We wanna understand what this could look like for our organization. You can go on our website and hit that contact button and, and email us right uh, directly. Yeah. Uh, Kim Crowder, uh, you also have a really good LinkedIn. Uh, you have some, actually some <laughs> really yeah, really substantial posts. Uh, and you've got a huge following there, about 50K. Right. That's right. I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kim Crowder, <laughs> thank you for the work that you were doing. Uh, if we had more time, man, I would get into some of the content you're sharing. I, I Oh, my gosh. I, I love, you know, term, you know oh, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> you got some you got some good stuff. Go follow Kim Crowder on LinkedIn. Go to kimcrowderconsulting.com. Kim, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so Josh, much. A pleasure. Thank you so much.
Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stopped by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.